Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia Orion. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. In today's episode, we are coming to you live and direct from my parents' house, this kind of log cabin-y looking place in upstate New York. We have a cameo of the uh, fireplace. We have... Uh, it's not really country shit if you aren't drinking out of jelly jars. You know what I mean? If you aren't drinking out of mason jars, then I don't really think that counts. But if you uh, can't see, if you aren't turning on video, I'll paint the picture for you. I'm back in not so snowy, but a little bit more rainy, overcast upstate New York, uh, out in the woods, and got some got some some kind of log cabin vibes up here. And this is where I come back to just about every year for the holidays to kick with mom and pop and do a lot of reflecting. I call it the rehab facility because this is where I I really feel like I reset and I come back here if I can twice a year. I spend time with mom and dad, the dog, and my big bro if he's willing to, if he's uh, kind enough to come up and see me. So this uh, chapter this pod in particular is going to be more reflections based on art and creativity and music because this is a pod about the Song a Week Challenge and reflections on the Song a Week Challenge. And then I'll be doing pods coming up probably next week or the week after about what things are looking like in terms of 2022 and reflections on the last year but more in like personal romantic type of uh in that sort of a vein where this one's going to be much more music focused because i i want to i want to split them up because they're be they'd be too long they're they're things that i really like to talk about and think about work through and they're topics that i think deserve their own their own pot i don't want to rush through any of it but before we get to the the takeaways from the Song of Week Challenge, I just want to give you a brief little life update on where I'm at, what I'm up to, what I'm doing, kind of the, the, the recent week or two since when we spoke. The last pod, I talked to you guys about my experience, the ayahuasca ceremony. So if you haven't checked that out, go listen to it because I feel like I got some crazy takeaways, some really interesting gems in there. But now uh, I'm back upstate New York. Obviously, like I said, I left Medellin. I've been back maybe about a week now. And it's always such a head trip to be back because you wonder if you ever left. You know what I mean? Like it's it's weird being back and sleeping in my childhood bedroom again and being in this small town. My parents live in this tiny town in upstate New York. I think it's like two or 3,000 people max. But I don't really go into town that much because we live way out. My dad's, uh, you know, He's pretty much Captain America. He's on his planet. Hippie hippie man vibe. So we live way out in the mountains. <clears throat> and so I pretty much just spend time up on the hilltop with mom and pop and the dog. Lots of long walks. Lots of journaling. Lots of thinking. Lots of good food. My parents definitely eat and drink well. So it's just been, but it's always a bit of a strange thing kind of mentally and emotionally coming back here. I also feel like I... I personally 
change and kind of revert back to, in some ways, that that older version of myself because we all play roles in a family and I feel like that version of Kia that I am when I'm with my family is a different version of Kia that's here with you that you probably know if you met me out and about in the streets. If you met me out and about in the world, wherever we happen to bump into each other, that's that's probably a different version. This version of Kia, I notice even my, my voice is in a higher register when I'm here with family. Like, you you just... Your body you kind of just knows these characters, knows these roles. You kind of code switch into that that different type of a person depending on the scenario. And so every time I'm here, I just feel – it feels weird. I remember like running when I used to be – when I used to wrestle in high school for a very short period of time. <clears throat> I remember running down the driveway at like 5.30 a.m. in the morning in the wintertime – and it's weird that like those smells come back now and remind me of like high school wrestling or soccer or just certain times a year, just certain like smell I think is one of the biggest time travel mechanisms that we have because there's something about a smell that can put you back in a place. Or what I found as well recently is it'll put me back in a feeling. I might say I don't. I, this this smell doesn't have an exact place location where sometimes they will. Like I was smelling something that I was like, this was this X. Like I can smell something and be like, I know the exact time period and who this X was that I smelled this and I know those feelings. Or sometimes I'll just have, it happened the other day, I was helping my dad move some rocks with my brother. And it was like that that upstate New York, springtime, muddy, post-rain fresh smell that it's like years of living up here kind of all rolled into one but it, it felt kind of hopeful it's like that springtime like you're kind of coming into summer although it's not springtime at the time recording this it's wintertime but shout out to global warming one time it pretty much feels like springtime uh so it's just always a head trip being back in the old childhood bedroom too and just all the memories and the feelings and it's it's strange sometimes how the life in Asia, the life in Mexico, the life in Colombia, they just feel so distant. But at the same time, when you're there in those places, when you actually do start traveling again, it's just fascinating how quickly you can adapt to those and those start to feel like home that as humans I really think our one of our superpowers is we're just super adaptable. So it's that's my little home rant for you about just being back in this headspace. I'm I'm not planning on making a ton of music while I'm home. I'm planning on really getting my attention straight for this next year and setting time aside to reflect on the last year. I have I have some questions that I want to really dig into about, you know, when was I happiest, when was I least happy, what did I like working on. But one piece that I set last year that I wanted to talk to you about today, and which is what the whole, the, the theme of this episode, is about the Song of Week Challenge. So this is how Russ blew up, who was one of my biggest inspirations. He's a, he's a rapper, producer, artist. And he did a song a week. And I think halfway through the year that he did it, he blew up. And the songs caught on and he was out of here. And things kind of started to take off for him. For me, I it was a practice both in creative pursuit 
in creative growth because I wanted to I wanted to really push myself this year creatively because I was really getting to mixing and mastering last time I was home, engineering. And so really dial into that and in order to have songs to engineer, you need songs to engineer. So it was to it was to kind of continue sharpening those swords. And at the same time I wanted to see how I would how it would look if I was doing it how it would help me maybe marketing wise. Maybe there was a piece to that consistency that people would listen. I would be able to gain more fans, more listeners if I had more songs, more content to share. So that was the idea was I would create album art for every song and I would I would write, mix, master and produce most of the songs, if not all of them, and then possibly shoot little videos for them or things, just social media content to, to get people on board with the with the indie artist journey. Keo Ryan. And so it was interesting. I feel like it was a success in a lot of ways and not a failure, but learned a lot in a lot of ways as well. So let's start with the successes. And I think the biggest one was, first of all, we made it. What's up? 52 weeks. And I made way more than 52 songs, but at least 52 made it on the the playlist, which I, which I created. It's called 2021 Joints. It's on Spotify. Check it out. But uh, more than that, some of the some of the biggest takeaways I got, and I wrote a few things down, was how one thing I love about creating a lot, music, photos, videos, whatever it is that you do, pick your poison, it becomes less precious, which I know is going to piss some people off. To me, that was incredibly helpful because it meant the stakes weren't so high for every single song. It meant if I made shitty songs, which there were plenty of, I didn't I didn't sweat it because I knew I was going to be working on something else soon. And so there's I think real beauty in learning how to let go of what counts as quote unquote precious because that really is I think ego because who gets to decide what's good or not. I think there are songs that I'll feel insecure about, I won't love, that other people will dig. And there are songs that I think are bangers. I'll be like, this song is going to go out of here, and it's crickets. And so if nobody really cares, just make stuff that you want to make. And I think one thing that I learned along this process, or, and one success, I guess I would say as well, with the Song Week Challenge was when you release more often, when you create more often, for me, it gives you more freedom. I could make dancehall tracks. I could make Drakey R&B tracks. I could make like very like boom bap hip hop talk my shit type of tracks. And I feel like for me that was such a blessing because I I'm not sure if this happens to you, but so often for me when I'm creating I'll have that that fear, or I don't know what it is, but that that part of my my brain will come in, that insecurity will come in and say this isn't this isn't your style. Like this isn't this doesn't fit with what else you've been doing. This doesn't fit with your vibe. This doesn't fit with your image. Whatever it is, that that thought will come in. And instead, what I've I've learned to appreciate about this process is that you you don't have one set style and you can create uh you can pretty much create whatever you want but 
it helped me get out of my own head because there wasn't as much pressure on each track. And actually, I just realized that the humidifier is still on. So hopefully I can turn this off because otherwise it's going to be really loud. Um, Sorry, Pop. All right. Hopefully that helps. So that that was a big one was create often and don't worry about what the outcome is. Just create. And I think that that was for me one of the one of the biggest lessons of this whole thing was just to make art that you feel in the moment, don't second guess it and make a lot of it. Which brings me to uh, my next point about making a lot of art. This is on some Steve. I love Stephen Pressfield. If you know me at all, you know I've talked about Stephen Pressfield a thousand times. He created War of Art. He also has one called Turning Pro, which I love. Which is this idea about treating it, treating your art or your 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 your. It, if it's a if you want it to be a profession, you have to treat it like a professional, and a piece of that means showing up whether you want to or not like you would if you were working a regular job and for me showing up even when you don't want to was a huge piece of this because it was monday wednesday friday i had my tuesday and thursdays like marketing days or making content shooting video shooting the podcast whatever mixing but i said monday wednesday friday and a lot of times on weekends i'm showing up i'm making a beat I'm making a song. If it's trash, let's just run with it and see where it goes because I've got another shot on Wednesday or Friday. But that that part of just showing up for me was huge. And knowing that even when I didn't want to, I still needed to make something, I think was incredibly telling in a, for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest ones was a lot of those days when I didn't feel like showing up, but I still showed up just to make something, I made some of my favorite tracks. Very rarely would I come in and feel super inspired, let's make something great, and something great came out. It's it's almost, it's interesting, how it's like almost reverse. Nine times out of ten, I'll come in super inspired, I have a direction, I start creating, and it flops. I can't quite nail it that day, and I don't know what it is, but it's more often this is the this is the whole piece that Stephen Pressfield talks about with the muse and whatever that you stumble upon greatness or you stumble upon the genius those those moments of gold that you really only give you only get if you give them the opportunity for you to receive them. But if you wait until you're inspired, so often you're going to be waiting a long time and then you're going to make three songs a year. And so that for me was another huge takeaway, that piece of let me just show up, period, rain or shine, feel it or not, I'm late or not, I have time, I don't, whatever, and just say this day I'm making something and just take it as far as I can. And that is really telling to learn to trust, I think for me to learn how to trust myself. That I can make really cool stuff if I just trust myself in that process of just kind of like wading through the bullshit. And most of my best songs, I think, came spontaneously. 
which I would not be surprised if I pitched this to a bunch of artists, photographers, videographers, filmmakers, whomever, content creators, that if, like, if you stumbled on some of your best stuff, and I bet a lot of folks would agree with me. Jelly jars, baby. So that was another big piece for me, was learning that showing up is 90% of the game, building that habit of creating is 90% of the game, that you don't necessarily just have genius, but you create your way into those moments of gold, those moments of genius, I think was a huge takeaway. And another one, speaking of creating your way into genius, is that if you do something a lot, very often you can get better at it. But one thing that I found helped me a lot was there are two pieces I want to talk about on this. But the first one is shipping the work. As Seth Godin would say, putting yourself on the hook. Because <clears throat> there's a difference between making music and it just sitting on your hard drive and making music and showing, giving it to the world. Because when you give it to the world... At the same time that you're saying, here, check this out. I made something really cool. You're also saying, this is a piece, a very personal piece of me that is now open for judgment. You can love this if you like it, or love it if you love it, like it if you like it, or shit on it if it's not your thing. And so opening yourself up for that kind of public discourse, public ridicule, while I'm not at that level where I really have haters like that or people who don't really like it, because mostly just my mom and then on ghost accounts. Um, there's a piece of that that I think as soon as you ship it, I know for myself, it's really hard to have an objective perspective on a track if it's on my hard drive, if I just made it, if it's only, if, I've, if I'm the only one who's heard it. It's really hard for me to say, is this good? Is it whack? I don't know. I can't, I just can't figure it out sometimes. But as soon as I ship it, when I release it to the world, it becomes much more clear to me which tracks are terrible and which ones aren't. One, because you'll see how people react, which is cool. You can actually gain some confidence in a track if you can see people are really loving it. And at the same time, just for your own, you meaning me here, for my own, I guess I'd say barometer of what's whack or not, is... It's easier for me to be able to tell when my tracks are trash once I've released them to the world. I'm like, oh man, that one's, that's kind of, that's pretty bad. Like, I thought that was cool when I made it, but like, that's actually pretty bad. Or other times I'll be like, this is kind of weird. I'm just going to put it out. And then later I'll be like, that's fire. I'll come back and be like, man, like I wrote that. Like, I'm impressed. That sounds cool. I didn't even realize that I could do that. So there are... There are stakes involved when you ship a product, when you ship a piece of art, whatever that is, music, photos, visuals, whatever. To ship the piece, I think, to be on the hook for the piece, I think, is part of the magic. Some people I know like to just create it and keep it and it's just for them and that's cool. But this is also a place where I've kind of been torn a little bit. Because I do make the art for myself, I make the music that I want to listen to, but I also would be lying saying that I don't want other people to enjoy what I've made. 
And I think that that's sometimes where I can get caught because if you want the validation of other people, I think that's very real. I think that's very honest. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I believe what's difficult about that is if you end up making the art only for the validation. Because that, I think, is when you get caught. And that is maybe when your art is no longer yours. And that's often when people are chasing hits. I think, especially in the music industry, when the the monetization piece is based off of a popular, you know, popularity of a song or whatever. If you're if you're creating the art for it to be popular, for it to be uh, monetarily successful, I think that can be a very tricky place to create from compared to making what you believe in, making what you feel, making what feels potent, what feels pure, what feels honest, raw, and then, you know, appreciating when people do enjoy it or wanting people to enjoy it, I don't think is, is, um, uncommon, I guess, or, or something along those lines. But I think to doing it for, I think the motivation, the really finding the inspiration and motivation, what is the point, the purpose of it, I think is a big piece of it. But also understanding for myself that, Making songs and just keeping them myself doesn't feel the same, honestly. Even if I release it to the world and nobody hears it right now, I still feel like in my heart of hearts because I have I'm I'm growing this self belief that like I can do this, that someday people might appreciate them, but that they're they're out there to be appreciated or hated, but just to be heard to me is like enough for me to feel good about it. To say this is getting like this is public. No, whether people right now listen to it or not, like it's almost irrelevant. It's almost like that it is public is enough of to be on the hook for me to make it feel excited to put things out. And that's that has been a, a big piece of this learning experience too, is make something, don't overthink it, ship it. Be, especially because it's week to week. For me, being on the being on the hook to produce that much content. I like that because you can't overthink it. As an overthinker, someone who's prone to overthinking, and as soon as you dive into audio engineering and you start to learn really the behind the scenes of tweaking knobs and switches and frequencies, and I was already in that game as a producer, but once you really dive in, like you can take forever for things because there's a zillion things that you can change. There never is a song that's like, finished per se it's just like good enough and getting it to that point of good enough I think for me has been a huge key because you learn that nobody cares which is so liberating can be frustrating when you spend hours trying to get those you know your snares to sit right in the mix but at the same time to not overthink it and to just say does this sound good do I like this? Is this good enough? Cool. Let's get it out there. People are listening to it on their phones. They don't really give a fuck. And I think that that has been a huge game changer for me of of just of moving quicker, of just upping the pace in terms of turnaround. At the same time, I've found that my inspiration only lasts so long. So 
I don't want to keep going on a song and re revisiting it four, five, six, seven times. I want to revisit it once or twice when I'm still excited about it, get it out into the world while I'm still excited about it. Because there's a real magic and beauty to that recency, I think, that capturing those moments, that inspiration while you have it, that for me I've found has been very telling about a track, that the more I continue to work and tweak and obsess on it, the more the kind of magic rubs off. Because you get used to it compared to it being like this new cool track. It's not like this track you've been like tweaking for months and it just kind of, I don't know, loses some of its spark for me, to say the least. So that was a nice piece of that kind of self-imposed pressure of having a song a week done or needed, finished, needing a song a week finished. Help me get over those humps of perfection, that perfectionist piece that I think a lot of artists can be prone to. You're kind of paralyzed by the perfection of it. And for me, this was a good practice in letting go. A good practice in letting it just be good enough. I can always Kanye this shit and edit it and upload it later, a better version. But if you have a time frame, the time... I think about this a lot anyways in my life, but how restraints create freedom. And I think especially time constraints in a certain regard because you only have a certain amount of choices and time that you can make them, so you want to make the most of them. And so spending that time wisely and comes back to this phrase, time, a task will expand to the time allotted to it. So if you have a day to make a track, you make a day to make a track. If you have three months to make a track, you have Three months to make a track, but in that same three month period, I could have making I could have been making three tracks a week. So that was a huge takeaway for me in terms of perfection, getting over that. At the same time, speaking of creating so often, I think a piece that comes we hear about a lot is this piece of ten thousand hours invested. And for me, I've found that it's good to have that de deliberate practice where I'm in the zone just working on one thing at a time for, my, for me has been really helpful. But at the same time, I think for me, a lot of times just doing the thing helps me perfect the craft because it's my feedback is less about what other people think and more about as soon as I can make the track and I have more, I have more data almost thinking about tracks as data in this regard you have more comparison you have more pieces to compare to if you make five tracks a year you have five points of comparison you have 52 you can see the connections between them and see when things were good when things were bad when things were cool interesting experimental and and being able to draw those connections for me has been huge because if you listen to the tracks that i made at the beginning of the year they're wildly different from the tracks i made at the end of the year because since I was able to go back and listen to them, since I shipped them and they're public and and I I then judge them, I guess, with a harsher ear, my I was able to see how my voice sounds really high here, or this mix isn't the vocals aren't loud enough here, or this beat is whack, or I'm singing off key, whatever it was, and then a, a, along the process I could course correct. So I started to be very more I was I was much more intentional about the register of my voice where my voice would sit in the track does it sound like i hit puberty does it not i was i was more intentional about my tuning 
Am I singing off key? Let me start practicing singing more. I started singing more often. I started doing these singing work, um, not workshops, but exercises on YouTube every day, working on singing, doing my singing exercises, working on my tuning. I, I bought a better version of auto-tune, really watched tutorials, learned how to tune better. I bought better plugins. Like you, like though, if you don't know what those are, those pretty much, they're like these audio pieces of, it's software that, that can help you make your music. And so each of those are individual chapters along the, the year that I was able to really dial in more once I had exposure, more exposure to my data, to my songs in a way. And so that was really huge. I can, I can hear, I'm not sure if you can hear it, if anybody can, because nobody's paying attention, but I can hear a big change when I made songs a year ago to the songs that I'm making now. And the, the periods of my life, I think as well, throughout the year, each have sonically their own characteristics and chapters. So when I first got to Merida in Mexico, that has a sonic vibe. When I got to Mexico City, that has a vibe. There were certain things I was thinking about going through at that time that are very potent in the songs. There was the beginning of Medellin, that journey, the beginning of Medellin when I was really maybe a little bit more angsty and, and frustrated and trying to figure things out compared to the end of Medellin after I'd had those experiences, those romantic experiences when I'm a little bit more introspective, a little bit more tender, that I think that each, each piece has its own sonics, but at the same time, as a year in itself, there is cl a clear distinction from beginning to end in terms of progress, in terms of beats, mixes, and vocal delivery at the same, you know, all of those things combined that I think has really helped me kind of figure out and almost create my way into what my sound is. And so I think that's another piece to this. One of my final pieces, we'll start wrapping this up, is that you don't always know, you can't necessarily think your way into confidence. You can't think your way into your art necessarily. You can, you can try. But I think for me, a lot of this is, same like I was saying about confidence, is it comes from momentum. It comes from the action, the actual doing of the thing that it creates this cycle then of confidence or feedback that then helps you do the thing more or better. So for me, when I thought about my sound, I always tell people when I pitch myself, when they say, what kind of music do you make? I say, I'm a mix between Kid Cudi and Phil Collins. I feel like that's a good a good bridge for me. It's kind of like that R&B kind of ballady love songs like Kid Cudi, but also a lot of retro, up-tempo, retro synths, basses, drum sounds, 808s, all these kind of throwback pieces that I love about Phil Collins and those 80s jams that I feel like is kind of a mix if you threw those two artists in, in a bottle and shook it up I feel like some of my stuff would come out so that to me though I'll tell people that but the real finding what I liked didn't come from me just thinking what do I like and that's why I mean the same thing about the confidence is it's not like you can just be like okay now I'm confident 
it's almost like you have to actually do the thing. So from making 52 songs, speaking of data, now I can go back in and say, I really have been able to then hone in, drill in, double click, whatever you want to call it on what is more of that kind of quote unquote Kia sound. What do I like? What do I gravitate towards? Now, after looking at 52 tracks, what are the patterns that I can see in this data? What jumps out to me? What reoccurring themes am I seeing in the songwriting, in the production, in the mixing? What mistakes maybe am I seeing in the mu in the songwriting, in the music production, in the engineering? Like coming back, now looking at them all, I can. it makes it so much easier for me to see which mixes were bad, maybe which beats I was reusing sounds, maybe which songs were a little bit weak on the songwriting. And at the same time, what I really have come to love and again, something that I had to create my way into that I think the same thing about confidence. I talked about this a lot with people of like try to get small wins because though there's a difference between I think believing and in knowing and you can believe in yourself or that you're confident. You can believe these things to help you, you know, get those first steps going but there's a difference between like the knowing that like I feel like believing happens in your head and I feel like knowing happens in your heart that when you really know it, like you feel it, that's like in your body, that confidence piece to do it that like on the secret and that sort of stuff, which I'm really into the reprogramming, the mental piece, the, the, the more heady piece, but I think to know it comes in your body in your heart that's really where to me after doing these it's almost like i proved it to myself that now it's like i know it i know what i'm capable of i thought i did and i thought i knew i could quote unquote knew like i thought i was like i believe in this but it's like i proved it to myself that it makes the next chapter the next pieces to me easier because I have that momentum, I have that evidence that I don't, that imposter syndrome shit I don't feel anymore because it's like I've, I've worked past it. So those are, yeah, those are pretty much the biggest takeaways, the biggest gems for me in terms of what I got from doing the song a year. I'm, I'm really happy with how things turned out, but now I was thinking, like, do I do two songs? Do I just, like, or excuse me, two years? Like, should I just run it until the wheels fall off and see how far I can take this thing? But I think for me what I'm going to do instead is switch the tactic because, like I said, successes and failures. And the lessons, successes and lessons, lessons learned from this are marketing. For me, content marketing is huge, but also really being intentional about where you're putting the content and also strat being strategic with that is really important and that marketing spending time on marketing really is the difference between if you make it or not the music matters yes but as much as it pains me to say it it doesn't really there because again music is subjective so this year i'm going to still be making music but i'm going to spend a lot less time on the making because I have these 52 songs now and a lot of them I don't think got the love that I want them to. I feel like I got some hits in here, man. I'm like, man, this joint is crazy. But again, it's my own stuff. I just make the music that I like to listen to. So there's that. 
but I'm going to definitely spend a lot more time finding communities online, becoming a part of them, helping people with their own music, and creating content for YouTube, for TikTok, Instagram, and really trying to take this to the next level. Get some real fans on it. I started the year with, I think, 70 listeners, monthly listeners. I ended, I think, with like 170. So 100 is cool. I'm grateful for it. But I'm really trying to blow the top off this thing and would love to be able to support myself financially from my music. In order to do that, something's got to give. I've been making the music for 10 years now, over 10 years, because I just love it. I'm a craftsman at heart. But I've never really given the marketing the full attention and effort I think it deserves in order to take this to the next level. So that is the next chapter for me. That's that's the piece I'll come talk to you guys about soon in terms of what I want this next year, what I'm shooting for this next year. But really learning marketing, music marketing in particular, having that self-confidence now. I proved it myself. I said I know I believe in a lot of these songs. I have the material to market. But let's really figure out how to put this music in front of people who may possibly enjoy it. And I think that's where, for me, the biggest disconnect has always been. And I'm ready. Finally. 30 years old. Ready to be a rapper. Let's get it. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you even made it this far, you're a real one. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys either next week or the week after once I have my reflections and my goals in place and we can talk about 2022, what's on the horizon. Thanks again. Let me just let you know. All right. Over now. Peace.